0: And welcome back to Unconventional. I'm your host, Neve Gordon Farley, and this is the podcast where we discuss unconventional routes after leaving school and break down the stigma surrounding not going to university. Today's episode is slightly different. In previous episodes, we've touched on the fact that actually you can still go to university and not have the typical experience. So today I'm joined by both Bethany Collins and Alexa Rendell. Bethany shares her experiences of living at home whilst going to university. Rose Alexa talks about her time being an apprentice and her decision to defer going to university this September.
1: My name is Bethany Collins, I'm 22 years old and I'm currently studying a BA in politics at the University of Exeter. I've been at Exeter since 2018 and I do really, really enjoy my course and um, my campus and everything now, but I didn't start off my university career in your sort of traditional path. In terms of the actual UCAS experience, um, I wrote my personal statement with the help of my tutor when I would have been in my second attempt at year 12. And I picked uh, two different courses at Exeter, um, and I picked two different courses in Plymouth, and then a really random one. I think it was University of East Anglia, and I've got no idea why, but it looked good, and I just picked that one as an outlier because I needed a fifth one really, because um, it wasn't like I wanted to go to all these different universities and go to all these open days and explore it. I kind of had in my head that I wanted to go to Exeter, and if I didn't go to Exeter, I didn't want to go anywhere else. So I applied. I got the offers that came in, um, and that was exciting. I was like, oh, cool! I'm going to go to Uni. I'm going to go to Exeter. I had it so set in my head, and. When that didn't happen, I was completely devastated and almost gave it up, but I didn't know (laughs) what I could do instead. I did my first year of A-level, so year 12, uh, in 2014-15. But that year, I was really struggling with my mental health, with my anxiety and depression. And my grades just did not turn out the way that I'd wanted them to, that my tutors wanted me to. And so I decided that in order to get into university I needed to resit the year and try again and get better grades so that I could get into university and the university I really really wanted to go to was Exeter because I'd gone on a summer school and it was close to home so I knew that I'd be like in a safe kind of comfortable bubble with my family nearby and it was a really really good university as well and that was kind of what I wanted to do going into sixth form So I started year twelve again. I changed one of my A levels, and sort of everything was fine. And then I did really well on the AS side of things for that year. Then I got the grades that I would have needed when I'd applied for uni. Um, But then, fast forward to year thirteen, so my third year in sixth form, and my anxiety started affecting me again, and I got quite poorly with it again, Um, and. My grades at the end didn't turn out to what they needed to be. I didn't get the grades for Exeter and I opted to go to Plymouth University, um, who had lower entry grades. I'd had those grades, so I thought, okay, I can still have the university experience. It's not where I wanted to go, but you know, okay. But I kind of felt almost like not pressured into going, but I didn't know at the time that there were any other. Options for me. I didn't know that I didn't have to go to university. I thought that if I didn't go to university, that was it, my life was over. So nobody had told me that you could do an apprenticeship, that you could go into work, that you could. There were so many different other avenues that you could explore, and that wasn't talked about in school. It really, really wasn't. And it definitely should have been because that would have saved me, I think, a lot of stress and a lot of anxiety in the process. So I went to Plymouth for a year and I did enjoy that year, I made some good friends, I had really good experience, but something around kind of April, May time of that year said to me, Why don't you email Exeter and see if you can get in? Because I'd been getting a good grade all year in Plymouth, so I thought okay, I'll apply. I think my friend might have mentioned it or something, I can't remember. But I sent them an email and they said if you apply back through UCAS we'll look at your university grades from this year, your A-level grade, and they said if I got a one, they would accept me in. And I got 66 overall for the year, which is a mid-high one, And I left Plymouth and started Exeter in September. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is it. I'm here where I've always wanted to be. Um, you know, at the time I was like, J.K. Rowling went here. But, you know, that's not something to be bragging about now. Um, but I was very excited um, to be able to go. I'd got a really good accommodation and I know it wasn't far from my family, but it didn't go the way I thought, the way I planned. So I moved into my accommodation and I'd picked an early date because I wanted to get in and get settled. But I was the first one in there, so the flat was completely empty. and struggling with my mental health anyway my anxiety was completely heightened even though I knew I was only about 20 minutes away from home I was having a panic attack I couldn't sleep so I called my mum and said mum I need to come home and we sat and we talked about it and I met some of the people in the flat afterwards and we had this big conversation and I decided that it would be best for me to move home and to commute in and study from home because It wasn't worth jeopardising my mental health any further and I could still get the good degree that I wanted and have the uni experience and not have to pay a ridiculous amount of rent. So that that was the plan. But there is a sort of stigma around living at home. I don't know what it's like in other universities, but at Exeter, if you're from the area or you live at home, they affectionately nickname you a local and it's kind of... And it's kind of a bit of a like a dig, like, oh, you're from here kind of thing. But also, I just see it as, like, I have bragging rights to know where all the best cheap heights are. Um, but there is kind of a stigma behind living at home and the fact that you're not getting the same university experience. And I know I definitely haven't because, I mean, I don't like clubbing and drinking and stuff like that anyway. But I felt like I didn't get the opportunity to be a part of that and to go to what they have, like, on our various clubs like Cheesy Tuesdays and Quid's In Nights and things like that. And although it wasn't really my thing, I still felt like I missed out. But I think it's it's definitely stigmatised because you don't have that experience. I don't know if stigmatised is the right word, but it's definitely looked at differently because... You don't have necessarily the same opportunities to make friends. You don't have the same opportunities to make connections and to do the typical student things. But I joined societies. That was a good way to make friends. I have some solid, lovely friends on my course. I'm now part of the student paper and I've got lovely friends in the paper. So, you know, there were definitely other ways of doing uni without staying up till 3am drunk out of your mind and having the worst hangover the next day you know um and I think that it's so important to recognize that there are so many different types of university experience like even within the typical university experience there are still students that don't want to drink don't want to go out clubbing there are still students that perhaps live on their own in a studio they don't have the whole flatmate kind of situation going on and I think that there are so many different ways to do uni, if you do it at all, that there needs to be a lot more discussion about that because I've, I'm in my third year now, like I said, and if it hadn't have been for the societies, I don't think there are many other sort of options for me to have socialised with people because it's not something that gets talked about Um. because obviously most people come to uni for the experience for the social life and most of uni's efforts are facilitating those events and I understand that because that is their biggest sort of cohort of students but I think that there could be a lot more for universities to do that either facilitate like non-drinking events or I guess kind of set up a group of or just some more support out there for people who are living at home, perhaps due to mental health or family situations, or perhaps they've got kids or all that kind of thing, you know? And I think that there's just a lot more that could and should be done.
2: Hi, my name's Alexa, I'm 19, and after leaving school, I decided not to go to university. And I chose to go and do a broadcast production apprenticeship with a company called IMG, where I am now working as a production assistant. When I got to year 13, I decided to put in a UCAS application. I've been preparing for it for a while. My college has prepped us for it. That was kind of the way we were pushed towards. I think it's because it was quite a traditional route for where I'm from anyway, that most of us end up going to university. And I certainly appreciate them doing that because writing a personal statement actually became really useful for apprenticeship applications. I decided to apply for a politics, philosophy, and economics degree. I saw that PPE degrees were what a lot of journalists had, and I knew that was the kind of realm I wanted to end up in. So I thought, I like politics, I think philosophy and economics are interesting. That's the degree for me. I set my application off, I got into my universities, I was pretty happy. But I remembered going to a Journalism Insight Day at Sky a couple of years prior where journalists, producers, reporters, presenters from Sky News began to talk about how they got into the industry. And I always vividly remembered someone talking about an apprenticeship they'd done. And with that in mind, when I came to about February, March time and saw a Twitter, I think it was a Twitter ad for Journalism Apprenticeships with the BBC, I decided just to give them all a shot and see what I could get from it because I was becoming a bit out of love. I can't think of a better word than that. I I didn't really love education in the way I once had and I thought it might be a good time for me to take a break from it. So I started applying for friendships. I applied for BBC, Sky, ITV, I'm pretty sure I applied for Channel 4, a couple of more independent production houses. I didn't really have much luck. I got up close on a couple of occasions but Nothing tangible came of it, really. And so I settled into the idea that I was going to go to university. I changed my mind a little and thought I'd do history and politics instead because that felt more me. But still, I wasn't completely enamoured with the idea. So I got to June, July time once again back on Twitter because when am I not? And I saw a final call for applications for this apprenticeship at a company called IMG, I was vaguely aware of IMG. I knew that they had like IMG models, this big modeling company. Um, That was pretty much all I knew of them. But I looked into it and realized they actually have this huge production house and work in sport. They have a lot of sport productions that are based there. So UEFA do stuff with them, the Premier League, Wimbledon, these big, big sporting federations work with this company. And the production apprentice role they had seemed really up my street. It was incredibly hands-on. There was a lot of learning to be done. You got to try your hand at everything. I thought it was quite a unique role, I guess. Sport was something I'd definitely been interested in when I was younger. Sports broadcasting was a passion of mine for a really young age. I think I decided that was what I wanted to do in about, well, something it was 2012. It was the Olympics that made me realise how much I cared about that as a role. So I thought, what the hell? Once again, I'll put an application in and see what comes of it. I had my first assessment day. I thought it went quite well. I was pleased with what I said. I thought I'd hopefully made a fairly good impression, but I'd had such bad luck until that point. I wasn't optimistic. Then I was on holiday in Cologne. I was interrailing across Europe with one of my best friends. And I got the call standing in the middle of Cologne in Germany saying, oh, can you come back in in two days time for an interview, please? And I sort of panic and I'm like, oh, my God, this is going to lose me the job. I'm not back in the country for another 10 days. And I got so lucky they were thinking, "Okay, we can sort of push it by that far. And the day after I got back from my trip, I went straight in. The interview went not brilliantly. There was extenuating circumstances that were completely my fault. And once again, I gave up all hope. So results, they came around probably a week later I hadn't heard anything yet. And it was quite tough that night because all my friends were celebrating that they'd gone into Bath, they got into Exeter, they got their dream grades. And I got grades I was incredibly happy with. And I got into Warwick to do the course I liked and everything on that side was set. But I still hadn't heard back from IMG. And it completely threw me that night where I actually almost decided, stuff it, I'm just going to go to university And then once again, a week later, IMG came back and rang me up and I was standing in my pyjamas in my garden and they said, "We'd, we'd love to give you the job. And I'm absolutely panicked, thinking, oh, my days, I did not expect this in the slightest. So I said thank you. And I told them I'd take a little bit of time to think about it because it was a huge life decision for me. Up until that point, I always thought I would go to university. I think that's quite a set path for a lot of young people. University is a rite of passage almost. You're expected to get into that 50 grand of debt. It's just the norm. But when I take a step back, the reason I initially wanted to do PPE as a degree was because I saw all these journalists doing it. I saw all these people in the media had done it. And that was where I wanted to end up. And here I was being offered an opportunity to work in the media without the need to do that degree that actually I'd come to realise I wasn't that passionate about. It It didn't make sense. And so. I realised how incredibly exciting the opportunity i had been given was and thought, I can't turn this down. Even if I get a year in after the apprenticeship's done and decide I hate it, so be it, I can always go back to university. So three days prior, I was meant to go to Warwick, I sent them an email quite sheepishly being like, oh, sorry, I don't really want to come anymore. And Student Finance sent me a very snotty letter saying they would send me approximately zero pounds and zero pence of Student Finance this year. I was thinking... Thanks, guys. Well, thank you for confirming me And then, yeah, a couple of days later, once all my friends had gone to university and they set off for freshers, I was driving up the M4 for my first day at my first big girl job. So the apprenticeship I did was a broadcast production apprenticeship. And out of that, I think I gained a qualification that is called a broadcast production assistant level three. But it essentially gives you a baseline qualification in broadcast production. So for me, it was a primary focus on television, but I know other companies, for example, Global that own Capital Radio, their apprentices focus more primarily on audio production. So during my apprenticeship, you spend 85 to 90 percent of the time at work, a normal day to day role. I moved between departments quite regularly. So I spent a lot of my time at Premier League learning media management, which is dealing with media that comes into the building and then I began to move on to sort of newsy shows we have and shorter shows and learning to edit on Premiere Pro myself I learned how to script shorter pieces I got to interview some footballers which was really fun I got to go to football clubs I honestly think it was such a brilliant role because we went all over the building and then of course my year was a bit different but I got to March time and Corona hit. coronavirus hit and at that point, I was meant to be joining one of my longest periods of rotation, joining a basketball team. And it, it just got cancelled. I was meant to do some production management work with them. I was meant to go to their big final event, Champions League final star. That's the best thing I can liken it to. And I didn't get to go. I was really gutted. It was going to be a huge learning curve for me to learn about production management and the non-editorial side of it. But these things happened. I ended up on the side doing a bit of freelance journalism that's something I began to pick up again and I've done a bit of writing since then as part of the apprenticeship I continued my more academic training and this is something I don't think a lot of people really know much about when it comes to media apprenticeships that not only do you spend your time working in in, well the workplace you also then go to a training provider so mine was an hour away sort of in London area and every uh, roughly six to eight weeks we'd go and have a week of training with them So, for example, we learned about how to shoot a camera, how to behave on set. Set etiquette was something we sort of discussed. We talked about copyright issues, ethical issues. We were given an insight into the industry during lockdown. We then began to take on other projects. We learned how to pitch projects, how to come up with new ideas, working in teams. It was also really lovely because we got to meet other broadcast production apprentices. So I worked with apprentices from the BBC. I worked with apprentices from Global, who I mentioned own stations like Capital and Heart and LBC. And then even apprentices from QBC, the shopping channel. It was quite nice because we were all in a similar boats that we we're all working in the same apprenticeship. We could compare cards to each other, really work out if what we were doing suited us, if there were other areas of the industry that might be interesting. Spending time with other apprentices was really rewarding in the sense of also just making new friends who are in a similar boat to you that A lot of us were around 18, 19, 20 and had friends at university who weren't necessarily working as hard as us, I think. Or it's a different kind of hard work that they're academically hardworking and then can go and get trolleyed in the evening. If you turn up hungover on your third day in a new placement, I think your boss might have something to say about it. And that's the difference, really, that they kind of understand your situation more. So I haven't quite finished my apprenticeship yet. After furlough ended, I've moved into a new role as a production assistant on basketball, which is a new sport for me, but I'm really enjoying getting into it. And the role fits me really nicely, which I'm really lucky about. And then at the moment, I'm just finishing up the qualification side of my apprenticeship where there's two sort of key stages for anyone a bit more interested on that. You have to do something called an endpoint assessment where you pitch an idea and then you have to create it and get feedback on it and have a professional discussion about your time as an apprentice. And that's how your qualification gets judged. Ultimately, you do a lot of coursework at the time. I think it's just to kind of see what you've gained professionally out of doing this apprenticeship. And then they mark you on that. It was a brilliant experience. And I loved being an apprentice. I loved being paid to shadow, being paid to try new things and to anyone trying to decide between the two, I think it is a fantastic experience just getting to be in the workplace as a young person, as a rookie. That before I joined that final rotation prior to lockdown, we went for drinks um, for the two apprentices prior to us for leaving and we went for drinks for them. And somebody else in the new team I was joining was telling me that when we went to that final big event, I was due to be working with their team. And they would really appreciate my extra pair of hands, but they had already planned to do it with the numbers they had in that team. They didn't necessarily need my help, that it would be great to have me, but they didn't need it. And she really advised me to take advantage of being there, to go and see these huge OB trucks, to go and see the event itself, to shadow directors, to shadow the runners, to shadow the producers, to shadow the EVS ops and just get an understanding for the scale of these final events. And of course, still do the job I've been sent to do, but in my spare time, really make the most of it, to really just be the rookie. And whilst I'm gutted, I never got to do it. It made me really appreciate the opportunities I had to just be there, to lend a helping hand and to to take the workload off, but also just to be young and try these things and try new experiences. During my first year of my apprenticeship, I decided to apply for university. I wanted to make sure that if it came to the end of the apprenticeship and I decided that for some weird reason this was no longer for me, or I felt like I was missing out too much on university experience, I wanted to have that backup option. Did the whole UCAS application process again, ended up firming Bristol to study politics and international relations. I was a bit hesitant about firming it, but things that appealed to me were being close to where I was currently working, I like the idea of still being near enough to London that I could do some freelance stuff if that came up or if I could find that opportunity. But my big issue was I'd never seen the university and I'd heard certain things about it. And when you've never been to see it yourself, you really can't get a feel for the place. So I tried doing online open days with the intention of going to see the university in May, June, July time on their open day. But alas, for obvious reasons, that never happened. So over summer, I was weighing up pros and cons again, and ultimately, come September time, got offered this new job. And that was really crunch time for me. Once again, I had to make quite a last minute decision that I knew this job I had been offered at ING was a really good opportunity. It was a really good fit for me. I was so incredibly lucky to be offered a job. And I was just excited at the prospect of going back to work and doing something I really loved. When it came to Bristol, I hadn't had a chance to see university. I hadn't had a chance to get a feel for it. I also just didn't know if it would be right for me during COVID. I thought if I was going to go to university, I wanted to make sure I was going to have a good typical educational experience. And I suppose social experience as well, because that can't be stressed enough. But I think the social experience is a big part of why people go to university. And with everything going on with COVID, I wasn't really reassured that that would actually happen, that I would have a good experience at university. And I thought, right, I can't be turning down a job I'm really excited about to go and do something that is so incredibly risky this year. I have friends that have taken two years out. I think this would be the better option for me. So I decided to turn down university again. Not even surprising my friends. I think they all secretly knew that I love my job too much to actually go back to education just yet.
0: Now, it wouldn't be the full unconventional experience if I didn't ask Bethany and Alexa the big final question. What do you know now that you wish you'd known at 18?
1: The biggest piece of advice I would give my 18-year-old self, who had just finished her second attempt at year 12 and was really struggling with the fact that at that point most of my friends had already gone off to uni um, or were making the plans in their life, is that Unlike in school, when everyone is on the same path and you're all going from lower school into GCSE level and, you know, everyone everyone is basically doing the same thing, that it's really difficult when you get out into sort of the real, the real world, per se, and everyone starts suddenly going off in all these different directions and you lose track of people and you don't know what's going on. I think the biggest thing that I would tell myself is that everybody... Does life in a different way? Everybody follows a different path, and it doesn't matter how long that path is, how windy that path is, how awkward that path is to get to the other side. As long as you're on the path that makes you the happiest and is right for you and is going to have the end destination that you want, it really, really doesn't matter what other people are doing. It doesn't matter how quickly other people are getting to the end of their path. It doesn't matter that their path seems shinier and more exciting and a lot more glamorous, at the end of the day, the only path that you have to focus on is yours. And it's okay to take your time and to do things differently and to get where you need to be. um, And just to stop comparing your path to other people's because they're not comparable, everyone's doing different things. And I think that would have benefited my 18 year old self a heck of a lot. (laughs) So what do I know now
2: but I wish I'd known at 18? Would it be too obvious to say get a haircut pre-lockdown? <laughs> um, yeah, 18 was only a year ago for me, so not too much has changed in my life since then. I think it was a period of, not to sound all grown up and profound, but it was certainly a period of personal growth in the last year, that joining the workplace does mature you in a sense. You suddenly have to have these interactions with people incredibly senior and incredibly good at what they do and you have to be ready for that but I also wish I'd known that take advantage of being the rookie take advantage of being young people don't expect you to know everything when you first start something and you don't have to be perfect so long as you're trying your hardest to do something correctly to learn properly to listen to understand what people want from you what people need from you You do not have to be perfect first time around. And I think that was something I was incredibly stressed out about. I think that was something I was incredibly concerned about when I first joined, about making the right first impression. And first impressions, granted, are important. But, yeah, you do not have to be perfect when you first start these things. There's a reason you're young. There's a reason you're learning. And learning is part of the process of becoming better. If you're not screwing up, you're probably not trying hard enough. (laughs)
0: Thank you so much to both Alexa and Bethany for being my guests today and also thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the episode as much as I did you can give it a five star rating and review on the Apple Podcast app or you can follow and subscribe so you never miss an episode. I've been Neve Gordon-Farley and this has been episode five of Unconventional. I will see you back here next Wednesday for a brand new episode.